0: the one you're listening to if you know someone who is doing six to eight figures in business send them our way just go to upmyinfluence.com slash guest now let's get on with the show with us right now, Micah Logan. Micah, you are the founder and CEO of Meld Fitness. Uh, you are a speaker, you are a, a consultant coach, uh, and you are also found on the web at micah-logan.com and meldfranchise.com. Micah, thank you for joining us.
1: Yeah, So happy to be here with you, Josh.
0: Thank you for having me micah you've been in the fitness industry for some time um but tell me about i mean we'll get into kind of all the areas and and i think you know kind of one of the underlying things is that you've built your successes using you're a big fan of systems right it, it's definitely makes things a little bit more predictable a little bit more you know we kind of uh and we could plan a little bit better and our chance of success goes substantially up but but tell me about um kind of your uh, foray into fitness, the fitness industry, and, and as as a business owner.
1: Yeah, so I wasn't intending on becoming a business owner. Look, I, you know, when I first started, uh, I went to school for psychology, and then mm-hmm. I found fitness actually when I was going to school, and it was not something I intended to because I didn't even know that, for instance, uh, fitness was a career or a thing at which someone could make money, and so I decided mm-hmm. to go to a seminar, I, at that seminar was for two people that were actually pretty inspirational. First, one of them was, his name was Jack Barnathon, Dr. Jack Barnathon. He owned uh, a chiropractic and strength uh, studio in, in New York. And he worked with Dana Torres. Uh, like she won the Olympics at like 40 years old and, and won like three wow. gold medals. It was pretty impressive. There was also a man there by the name of Dr. Fred Hatfield. He's since passed, but he set the world record in the squat. And they call them Dr. Squat. It was like, <laughs> like a thousand pounds or something like that that he squatted. Um, so I'm sitting there and I'm just observing these people doing really cool things. And I had never even thought that that was something that you know someone could make a career out of. So I got interested. I got certified and I started uh, my first year. I made $12,500, which is not a lot of money. But to me, that was like you know a backing up the brink truck. Because when you're doing something that you mm-hmm. actually like doing. <laughs> you know, when you are doing something that you actually like doing, like, you know, the money is almost secondary until you realize that you actually have to pay the rent. Right. Um, so progress over time. And I worked in multiple different arenas. So I worked in big box studios, small boutiques, uh, excuse me, big box gyms, small boutique studios. I worked in, I was as a corporate fitness manager, uh, you know, a whole bunch of different settings that I work with. And I did in home training for a long time. In fact, I started my business as a strictly as an in-home training company. And then over time, as it progressed, um, I slowly went into studio ownership and I started my first studio in 2005, opened it, closed it because I was undereducated and un- undercapitalized. And then slowly I just progressed towards, uh, opening studios and, and getting myself more educated and, uh, and, you know, more capitalized as, as time went on.
0: So tell me about the, uh, the concept behind meld franchise. Um, you know, if you've seen boutique fitness centers, uh, the, I guess the way I can describe it would be take that boutique fitness center and cut it in a third. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It is a very small, um, uh, uh, outlet, right. The facility. And which is kind of all you need unless you're going to have, you know, big classes with lots and lots of people. But explain the concept.
1: Well, my concept in particular comes from the thought that I wanted to uncomplicate business in general. So if you start with the fact that when a person is operating a business that it needs to be as simple as possible, and then you go to your specific domain expertise. That's kind of where you end up, where meld franchise is concerned. So, for me, in particular, in the boutique fitness industry, I wanted to do two things: I wanted people to be able to be profitable if they worked hard, and I wanted it to be easy to understand and easy to execute. And so, what I did was, over the years of, as I told you earlier, I was undereducated and undercapitalized, which I realized later on is something that I was able to adjust with the Mild franchise. So, what we've done is we've taken a small space. And we've designed it so that every square footage can earn revenue. So in our model, where there's two small personal training, groups of personal training that happen at one time. Um, and in that personal training session, there can be up to four members to one coach uh, on one session in 45 minutes. So the session's 45 minutes. And then, in, within that thousand square feet, also you have a smoothie bar that has been designed and customized to retrofit inside of the studio as well, adding another layer of revenue for a studio owner. We also have an opportunity for like a retail shop inside there. We also have the opportunity for meal planning services inside there as well. So we address the nutrition needs in addition to the smoothie bar. So there's a lot of stuff that can happen in a thousand square foot. And as we continue to develop the, the franchise, there are other fitness and wellness services that we can bring in that are space sensitive, that actually have the ability to generate big dollars in revenue.
0: Yeah, so where are you at right now in terms of like the the franchise opportunity, the franchise growth, that sort of thing?
1: So we just launched this year, which is exciting. We're about uh, nine months into our franchise launch. And so really for the first year, what our goal was, was to get our brand story out there, get my story out there as a founder and to really introduce ourselves into the the fitness industry nationwide to make a lot of good connections. And so we have corporate units in Boston. We're looking to expand those across the country with focuses on the Southeast United States. So Carolinas, Georgia, Florida, Texas is, is we get a lot of hits from Texas and of course the home state of Massachusetts and in the Northeast. So um, those are kind of our strategic areas that we're looking to kind of grow into. But this year we've really kind of hit, hit the whole branding pitch of what we're doing and what we're offering, because there's a lot of com- competition in the fitness space. And at the end of the day, we want to make sure that people understand kind of where we come from. And the fact that we offer discounts to minorities and uh, veterans uh, is a, is hugely important when it comes to providing business opportunities for people who need them
0: yeah um how does mike how does someone say okay well um i've got a business and it's working well i know i'll franchise it so uh how do you uh how do you make that how do you make that step so
1: just because your business is making money with you in it doesn't mean that it's franchisable Um, So the first step is, of course, that your business has to be profitable. That's one. The second step, of course, is that your business has to be scalable. Just because a business is profitable doesn't mean that it's actually scalable. So it has to meet those two criteria. And then third, you have to have systems and processes. And so when we say systems and processes, and it's one of my expertise in creating them, you have to build something that has repeatable and Determinant steps by which you operate your business that creates the same result every single time. So systems and processes that we're talking about are systems are things that actually back up your processes, and processes are things like where do you get your your marketing leads from? Where do you go? Where do you go find them? How do you convert them? How do you turn them into regular customers? How do you get them to continue to pay? How do you get them to refer? How long do they stay? Understanding client lifetime value understanding what happens when a person actually leaves. Is there an exit interview? Do you get a referral then? Um, how do you continue to grow your brand so that people are aware of who you are in the region? All those things require systems. And then the processes that back up those systems are the things that your staff or your automations kind of jump in or, or key into to help take you to the next level.
0: Yeah, what, what got you on the path to um, prioritizing systems and processes? So I've done it for basically the
1: entire time I've been the business owner I would say unknowingly but it was a really conscious decision that I've made over the years so if you think that you can kind of come in just day one and then if you have a business and just do it tomorrow then you're probably fooling yourself this I have been in the fitness industry for almost two decades and I have been writing down and refining my pr- <laughs> my systems and processes for 15 years so I would take long haul flights across the country to go to conventions where I would fly all the way out there to five hours, five and a half hours to California. I live in Massachusetts in order to get, you know, seminar education to grow like that extra 1%. And on the flight back, I would be writing down new ways to refine my systems and processes. And it's not just the seminars. I would talk to people in other industries, which I think is really one of the most important things you can do is to go outside of your domain of expertise and talk to people who are experts in other domains and other businesses and other types of businesses, because they're going to give you a more well-rounded version of what systems that you might be able to use yourself. I talk to people in finance to understand how I should assess individuals in my fitness business. And you and necessarily think that those two things obviously line up, but they make a lot of sense when you realize that as an investor, you want to see return on your money. So in fitness, People pay memberships to see a return on their money. What is that? Well, it's how they look, how they feel. And so in order to get them there, you have to provide them with the exact same information that a uh an, an investment company would would give to an investor who has specific invest, investment performance criteria or information that they're rolling out, prospectuses and things like this. So this is how we were able to kind of identify. And patch needs that we had in our business that actually helped the client experience or the member or customer experience actually grow.
0: Yeah, um, so Michael, what does what does that end up looking like? I mean, I can, obviously we could think back to like a Michael Gerber e-myth and, you know, having a binder and having an SOP for everything. Right. Um, but but tell me more of like, if I'm a business owner, maybe and it, cause I know that you do consulting and coaching and speaking on this particular topic around systems and processes, but yeah. like, where do we start? Like, how can we, you know, I don't know if there's a great starting spot you'd recommend. Listen, if all you did over the next 30 days was X, this would absolutely point you in the right direction. What what is that? Yeah,
1: so one of my things is I'm all about solutions and uh, giving information that people can use tomorrow. And so what I would say is how you start to implement these things in your business is to literally write down everything you do from the time that you get to your business to the time that you finish your business. If it's the same every day, the process will go a lot quicker. If your business is different, every day, then you should write down exactly how it's different every day and what variables there are that make doing business in your domain actually different. So from turning on the light switch in the morning to everything that happens after you turn on the light switch to turning it off in the evening, you need to write down every single thing that you do. And then you segment those tasks or the things that you do in your business every single day into buckets of categories that actually... How, you're, how you interact with your customers or your employees or how you manage your time. And then once you have those in those categories, then you can kind of put those in a documented systems or processes of um, like a manual that Michael Gerber talks about in the E-Myth. Um, but one of the things that you should not do is be working in your business while you do this process. I think that is a, with, uh, that's a fatal flaw. It's... You know, one of the things that uh, Michael Gerber says in the E Myth, of course, is the fatal assumption, which is that you know, just because you have the domain expertise, you think that you can actually run a business. And yeah, I think for a no. lot of people, that's not true.
0: <laughs> but Micah, <laughs> a- I, I know a lot about personal training. That makes me a great business owner. Yeah, that's right. Well, it makes you good at designing
1: <laughs> programs, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, honestly, at the end of the day, it's it's about knowing what you don't know. And I think that for me. I talked earlier about where I came from and kind of how I started. And it was that I did not know what I did not know. And, you know, there's a quote from Thomas Sowell, the economist, who said, It takes a tremendous, an immense amount of knowledge to understand the extent of your own ignorance. So I didn't know what I didn't know. Wow.
0: And I didn't know what questions to ask. Micah, could, could you repeat that quote again? I because that sounded really profound, but it got it came at me real fast. I feel like that's something I need to tweet or write down at least.
1: Yeah, sure. So the quote is it takes an immense amount of knowledge to understand the extent of your own ignorance. Wow. And so for me, here, you know, the thing is, the thing I get is I, I don't understand about people is that they have this sometimes this professional arrogance. And what they don't understand is that they don't even know what question to ask to get the answer that they need. And that this is a problem that's really two or three layers deep from, you know, then uh, what, you know, then what, like, I think people go through, you know, like it's, it's, it's like four layers deep. They, they, it's not just about, it's not just about um, understanding how to do the widgets in your business, or it's not just underst- about understanding profit and loss. There are other things in between there that matter as well. And if you're ignorant because you don't know what questions to ask, then you're not going to get the answers that you need and actually to grow your business. Mm, that's, for coach- no. that's where coaching comes in.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And who do you work with on that side? Um, so in terms of coaching for myself? Yeah, coaching. Right, right.
1: Because so I know I have- you
0: work as a consultant as well.
1: I do. So, like, you know, um, as a business coach, my priority is working with uh, individuals who are fledgling to individuals who are small to medium sized businesses. So, and business owners typically. Um, And they typically are in a position where they've grown their business to about anywhere between a hundred thousand or more in revenue, and they're looking to make another jump to add another couple hundred thousand to their bottom line or grow even higher than that. I've coached multiple solopreneurs to multiple six figure businesses and the key is honestly is the fact that they don't have the processes in place or the systems in place to actually start to scaffold for themselves like a good structured foundational business that can that can basically sell if you if you think about your business in terms of the its ability to sell then you will start to prepare your business in order to sell whether you're selling it or not and you will start to Adopt the behaviors that actually go with a a company that is ready to sell because they typically have other documents in place. They have they know who their employees are and what tasks they need to to get done. They know what the mission and the values and the core values of the company are, where they want the company to go, and they frankly know what they do and what, like uh, Clayton Christensen says in his white paper, marketing malpractice. They know what job needs to be done in order to um to reach to reach their customer base who who needs a job who are looking to hire a company or a product to do a job you know and it's important to kind of position yourself in that way
0: yeah Awesome. All right. Micah Logan, your websites are Micah-Logan.com. And of course, uh, the Meld Franchise, uh, that is at MeldFranchise.com. Cool concept. I like it. And uh, I mean, I think that, I mean, there's certainly a big audience for, you know, folks that, you know, they don't want to work or they don't want to be in a group of like, you know, 50 people you know, they, they want individualized attention. You don't need a lot of floor space for that. So it's a good concept. I like it.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. You know, I think that there's, there was, there's everything comes in waves, but the the one thing that has stayed true and forever is personal training. Personal training has been around since the 1800s. A lot of people don't know that, you know, so it's here to stay and it's going to continue, you know, I like it. All right, Michael
0: Logan, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me on Josh. Thanks for listening to the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Show. If you are a thoughtful business owner or professional who would like to be on this daily program, we have an audience of over a hundred and twenty thousand that we would love to promote your story to. Please visit upmyinfluence.com/guest.